Your Power, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and healing in the afternoon of life with your hosts and soul-centered co-founders, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. Namaste and welcome to Soul Centered and welcome to Soul Centered Podcast. We are excited to have you here today. And Soul Centered is a spiritual center for all people searching for meaning, healing, and purpose in the afternoon of life and midlife and beyond. We are uh, a husband and wife team that really help people move from a self-centered to a soul-centered space in their lives. My name is Ariella Halevi and I am your healer in the afternoon of life. So my introduction. Now it's your turn. I'm Baruch Levy, her husband, also known as B, the guide through the afternoon of life. And today's conversation is a continuation of a series we started together way back when. And then we did a few with my sister, Rebecca Rosen, your sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law, Chris. And now we're just because of the complexities of life and of the summer, we're just going to keep going we're jumping in until we can uh, uh, have a reunion with her. But the bottom line is we're doing soul-centered cinema or soul cinema. And these are movies that really help understand the soul, the journey of the soul. And in this really, this first unit, because we'll probably do more, we're talking about the soul's journey from this world to the next and in the next world and maybe back again. So today's conversation is around the originally the book and, that, and then the movie by Mitch Album called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. It's been around for a long time. There are a bunch of spoiler alerts in here, but you know most of our movies have been around for like decades at this point. So you've had a chance, but watch this and watch the movie or you can do it vice versa. And it's gonna be our take on a very important movie. Before we get into um, Five People, do you wanna just recap the movies we've done? Yeah, and really talk about the reason why we're doing this. Why are we, we're not movie critics, you know, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but why have we been so fascinated with movies on the soul? So partly it's because we have a personal fascination just, just with a lot of death in our own life and people we have lost and just really being seekers of the soul. And the other thing is that it makes this really accessible to people, right? It's really important that you feel like, we're not talking esoteric. We obviously don't know what life on the other side is like. We don't remember. We don't remember. But this is an opportunity for us to explore. Well, do you remember what life is like? And what does it mean to have the soul survive? And how many past lives have we had? And how do our ancestors play into all of the, the ramifications in this life? And so really, we focus on ancient traditions and spiritual wisdom and hope to bring that to you in a really easy modern modern uh, way plus it's really fun to watch movies together we watched this movie is really long really so nice. two parts we, we took three three and a half nights to watch it wasn't date movie. night it was date week yeah which is fine date week there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that um our kids couldn't understand why we kept going upstairs at like eight o'clock every night but we were watching movies but it was worth it it was it was it's a great movie so let's talk about what we've watched so far <clears throat> we watched the first one was soul and Baruch and I discussed, like, what is your life purpose and your journeying between two worlds? See, uh, yes, I, I saw that. I saw 22 that. from the movie. That's very cute. Yes. Um, 
The other one is defending your life. And that's all about the idea of judgment day and kind of watching the movie of your life and saying like, in the end, did you live your truth? Uh, the other one we saw, which is our, was our first date night, although Rebecca and Chris wasn't so, they weren't so excited about having this movie to be like be a date night. I think you said that 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it was um, what dreams may come. And the whole idea of heaven and hell and the price that we must pay um, to take our own life and also what your heaven looks like. I think I got, that's what I loved about the movie is like you create your own heaven. So now what we talk about is, is this your version of heaven when we're in the mountains and when we're in the, you know, just, you just think about like, what is it? What is life like beyond this life? And finally, um, the five people you meet in heaven, and I'm going to have Baruch kind of go through the summary of this idea of the journey home and soulmates and the role that we play in one, one another's lives. Yeah, this was a nice complimentary movie to everything you just talked about. We really haven't done two movies that are similar. They kind of, this one picks up where um, the other one left off, which is who, when you cross over, right? What, what happens? And this is based on a lot of my teacher, Dr. Victor Frankel's idea of relationships. We are here to transcend ourselves. We are here for others to be in relationship, to be in service, to be in love. And we affect each other deeply, profoundly. Now, sometimes it's the obvious person like Ariella is to me sitting across from you. I can name her my soulmate, but there are all kinds of soulmates. There are all kinds of mates who are here to help your soul in this life and in the next life. And we escort each other through this life and through um, the, the world to come heaven. And so this is a movie about who do you meet um, on the other side. And according to the movie, and we're going to go through, you meet five people. Why five? I don't know, but it, it made for a two-part series. Um, so five people you meet in heaven. And it's about a guy named Eddie. And they call him Eddie Maintenance because he spent his whole life working at a place called Ruby Pier, which is just kind of an old school back post or pre-World War II um, amusement park, like a Coney Island type of a place. And on his, on his um, uniform, it said Eddie and underneath Maintenance. And it's not insignificant um, because it almost became his name, right? mm -hmm. which is another conversation, his identity. And he didn't like that identity. He struggled with his identity, always believing that, you know, like 22 back there, that little stuffed animal he had a purpose that he never truly fulfilled. And this is a movie about what is your soul purpose, which I guess it does touch on that theme, but ultimately the purpose comes down to others. And sometimes more often than not, we don't know our purpose until retrospect, looking back and seeing the people that whom we impacted and who impacted us. Yeah, I love what they said in the movie is the greatest gift that the divine can give you is to understand your life on earth. So it's like he, before he went into heaven, he went on a journey and took a bird's eye view looking down upon his life. And he was able to see it much more clearly without the pain of being human, because sometimes it can be painful to be human. And so these five people, not only did he impact them, but they impacted him in different ways. And they were very unexpected. Uh, the people that came into his life were very, very unexpected, except for his wife, which we were hoping she would be one of those people. Um, but there's, you know, there's no random acts like that. I think that is one of the messages of the movies and, and the movie. And we'll talk about that is that we are all connected. 
that the people that you see down the street that you happen to pass by, it could be that you have a deep connection to them at some point. You know how you meet somebody and then you just lose touch and then somehow they come back into your life five years later. We never know how we impact each other. And so we are here for ourselves, but we're also here for each other. Yeah, the movie Journeys with Eddie, um, I realized retrospectively looking back on it that um, the people that he met, five people are five different stages in his life too, from childhood to the very end. And just the journey that we all make through life of a growth path, right? We're here to evolve. We're not just here randomly, haphazardly, even if it feels haphazard, that's just because we can't zoom out and see kind of the, you know, I've ever seen those, um, I forgot what it's called, that art style where pointillism and you're up close, you can't tell and you back out. It's like it's Abraham Lincoln, but up close, it didn't right. look like it. And that's really what this movie is about is zooming out. Dr. Frankel talks about the difference between meaning of the moment and ultimate meaning. We can only really know the meaning of the moment when we're in the game, but towards the end, or maybe at the end, or certainly after the game, we can look back and say, oh, that's the points that connect. I couldn't see it at the time, but now I get to see it retroactively. Well, I think even in in life, you know, you think about Eddie saw five people from what you said, different stages in life. And he wasn't a deep thinker. I mean, he was a maintenance man that just kind of put his head down and went to work every day. But if you are interested in soul work and you're working on yourself and, and interested in this, um, it's an interesting thing to look at those people in your life, the past and how you've affected them and how they've affected your soul as you move forward, not only in the next life, but also in this journey of life. You know, they all, we're all going through stages and part of a healing journey is to look backwards in order to move forwards. And so I I think it represents something that we can, we have the power to choose to do this in life as well. That's right. There's a there's a soul contract as well. That's again the movie Disney movie Soul, all about that. But we have a contract. And you know, we can be mad about our contract, we can fight against the contract, but contract is a contract. And for whatever reason, your soul signed up for this particular life to be, you know, the maintenance guy at Ruby Pier. And maybe it's not what you want, but it's somehow fulfilling a purpose. And so it's a it's a it's a choice, and you have a choice which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But then there's also elements that aren't fully a choice. And I draw comfort from that. You know, having my father who took his life, part of me just has to resign to, I can't understand why. And I don't let him off the hook for having a choice because I think he needs to be held accountable. But the, the flip side is, is we all have a contract that we're here to play out, to fulfill, that it's ours that only we can understand. And you can only fully understand it. It's part of the point of the movie when you get there. Right. So for now, in some ways, you put your head down and you do your work and you fulfill your contract. Right. I mean, part of the movie talks about this idea that Baruch said that Eddie maintenance was not happy with his his mission in life, which he didn't even consider a mission. It was just to keep everybody safe. But that's what the movie kept saying. The narrator kept saying, you know, Eddie wasn't just a maintenance man. He was meticulous about his work. He made sure that every single ride was safe over and over again. He would make sure that these children that went on these rides were as safe as possible. And so, you know, we'll go through each person that he meets in heaven, but one of those soul contracts was not to just take over his father's job because that's what he always saw it was, was that he was going to be an engineer, 
but you know, his father got sick and because his father got sick, he had to take over his job. And that was also, that was, that always brought, you could see the darkness that went, that kind of clouded over him when he saw that his job was just a, a do-over from his father's job. It's just a takeover. Right. Um, But along those lines, um, in this whole contract, you know, if that's true, and he was here to take care of all of those details on a roller coaster ride, so that at the end, where you see like hundreds and hundreds of people whose lives would have not been around because they would have had accidents or whatever, you sh- they showed all the people he impacted. But, you know, his personality was also contracted for that particular job because you have to be detail oriented. I don't want Ariella running any amusement park roller coasters maintenance <laughs> programs. Are you sure? Because you'll die. Um, <laughs> Because she's not detail oriented in that way, but that's not what you, you that's not what you contracted for. No, right? I definitely didn't. So your personality, your ego, the form is created in this world to allow you the gifts that you need to fulfill your contract. He never could see that, right? That if if he wasn't so detail oriented, he couldn't have saved lives. And so in some ways, we're given what we need, right? We have, we're given the tools, we're given the materials, we have a choice. Right. And you could tell that he kind of forfeited his choice, but he did have what he needed to fulfill the contract. Yeah. I mean, so let's let's kind of go into like this idea of who came to visit him before he went to actual heaven or Olamhaba, which is in Judaism. Um, the first one is really interesting. He met this what they call the blue man. And the blue man was kind of like in back then, like the freak of nature. He was in the circus at the pier. And he was ostracized for being blue. Like he had some sort of, I can't remember, some sort of accent and his skin turned blue. And so his whole life, he was a blue man. And um, in the scene, this little boy who's- Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, you want to stop, pause, watch the movie and come back. Or it's not that big of a spoiler. (laughs) It doesn't ruin the movie. No, it doesn't. But- um, this little boy, Eddie, I mean, we won't have to go into all the details, but basically this little boy, Eddie, is playing in the street. And what happens unknown, unknowns to Eddie is that um, his life is in danger. He, I think he almost gets hit by a car. By the blue man. Right. And so ultimately the blue man saves his life. Blue man was driving was, the car. Right. The blue man was driving the car. And he swerved. It didn't kill Eddie, but he ultimately died. Right. And so it. what brought that, what brings this to a point, I think, is the idea that in our lifetimes, we are also contracted to leave this earth at certain times. So it's so Eddie sees that he could have left as a boy to go to the other side. And instead of him leaving this, the blue man left instead. And Eddie had no idea that this was something that even happened. He had no idea. Because the the blue man died by himself. He ultimately was, his plight was alone in the world, being ostracized. And ultimately he died by himself. And Eddie felt terrible that he died by himself because he, I think he swerved. So he didn't hit Eddie. Yeah. And ultimately this man sacrificed his life for Eddie, right? I mean, he sacrificed his life not to hit Eddie and he lost his own life and nobody appreciated it. Nobody saw it. Like you said, he died alone, but he didn't, he fulfilled a purpose. That's what he said on the other side. And that we are, the other point of this is that we're all, we're not strangers, right? We may be strangers. It's not strange. We're not, we just don't know each other yet. We just don't know how we're interconnected, but we're interconnected. Who knows how many 
of those blue men have been in your life, right? right? How many blue men or women have, have given their lives or maybe a little bit less than that? And you'll never know because of the decision they made, the sacrifices they made. It's just such a humbling thing to take a step back and realize that there are blue men, there are blue women out there who have potentially or would sacrifice their life for you, not even knowing you. It's those silent savers, right? That you don't, you have no idea. And we have a story that we're going to tell at the end of this podcast that you just don't know when you are being saved. Those are the angels. You know, there's certain times in your life when you say to yourself, I believe angels saved my life. And they come in the forms of all different types of people, dogs. of situations. I was just going to say that of dogs, of animals, like you just don't know who is there to save you. And the flip side is we don't know our role as well. We don't know that by us walking across the street for whatever reason saves another person who could have walked across the street and hit a car. We have no idea. So it's, it's opening our awareness to this idea that there is more than we know in this lifetime and more than just tangibly what you can see. The last point on this one, then we're moving on is, so this isn't a two-part series, is um, that maybe your purpose isn't what you think it is. I've spent my entire life building and creating and doing and all these wonderful things. And maybe it comes down to this thing that shifts that for somebody else and ultimately the butterfly effect. You don't know what your purpose is. So you have to show up every single day thinking, this is my purpose. This is my purpose. Maybe you're supposed to be a trailer owner and just next podcast, mountain man, (laughs) trailer 101. Um, Number two, the second person he meets, you want to do this one? Sure. So the second person Eddie meets, um, by the way, Eddie goes into everybody else's heaven, right? So he doesn't have his own sense of heaven yet. He goes into other people other people's worlds in order to understand why they are coming to him, why they are being sent to him right now. So uh, Eddie was in the war and he fought in the war and his captain comes to him and he can't understand why his captain comes to him. And ultimately um, the lesson Eddie needs to learn is forgiveness and how to deal with anger and how to bring up anger and let go of anger. And Eddie always walks around with a limp and he was shot when he was a prisoner of war and he was starting fires uh, to be released from this. And when they were prisoners of war with this captain, he, as he's leaving in a truck to go and be and free himself, he's starting fires in the village and he's getting sucked into the fire. He's afraid somebody's in the fire and he needs to go save them. But in order to save his life, the captain shoots him in the leg. He never, never knew who shot him. And so there's all this anger that comes up in Eddie realizing that the captain shot him in the leg. And he always considers his leg as as an impediment, as a handicap. And so really um, what's happening here is also he's feeling his body start to decay as he's going through this forgiveness work and anger. And he's going through these people's heavens and feeling feeling what's coming up in him, he's, his own body is starting to dis, dis, disintegrate and his soul is starting to take over. The other piece I took away from this scene was self-pity. He spent his entire mm-hmm. life self-pity about his leg. His leg might have been broken, but the rest of him was whole. And he spent his entire life really kind of blaming his leg for all kinds of things. Have a lot of the movie revolves around him missing out on opportunities, even love because of the leg. And it's just this, in the end, you realize how much we all 
have our own version of that. And we focus on that and we spend so much of our time dealing with that, that we have to pay a price on the other side and that is to work through it. And so we should work through this stuff now before we get to the other side. It's so true. You always say about your father who committed suicide that, you know, he has to work through his stuff still on the other side that we don't get out. And that was part of our other movies that we watched is that we don't just jump and we're free. We have to go through either a, you know, one of the movies was like a judgment day or the five people you meet in heaven. These five people are shocking to Eddie. He never expected to meet anybody, but he never expected to meet the blue man or his captain. He was so surprised. What he wanted to do was see his father and his wife and, you know, the people closest to him. But instead, he had to go through this soul lesson before his soul was lifted to the other side. That's right. You know, you don't get what you want, you get what you need. And he needed these people to get to what he wanted, which was his heaven. And he creates it in the end, but he has to go through these people um, to learn the lesson. So I thought, I don't know if I reversed them. Was the next one his wife? I think the next one was. No, his... I think it was Ruby. Okay. So the next one was Ruby um, and named after Ruby Pier. And you go through this whole process of getting to know her, but you realize it's really about his dad. And what I thought was interesting about this one is this one was the only indirect relationship. She was almost like a therapist, right? A facilitator mm -hmm. of the conversation because his dad was walled off and he was beyond touch. He couldn't get to his dad, which I, you know, that's the um, movie, What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, where we create our own hells and then we lock ourselves away. It's not a punishing God. It's a punishing me. I'm punishing myself. And so his father was beyond repair, but it didn't mean that Eddie couldn't do the work. Eddie did the work of repairing his relationship with his father, working through his anger. His father was just kind of a pawn in some ways of that. It was really about Eddie and Eddie's anger. It was also gaining a new perspective. You know, when we grow up with, especially our family, we have all these beliefs and these judgments about ourselves and the relationships around us. What we don't understand until we either pull back, and this is some of the work that I do, is kind of pull back and see the ancestral meaning behind it and the stories behind it, and also past lives behind who the person is sitting next to you. They have had past lives and things that they are coming into this earth with unhealed. And so Eddie kind of gets to pull back and look at his father in a different perspective. And it gives him a, an understanding of who that man was. It wasn't just his man, the, the alcoholic, the one who was so destructive in this life. It was a man who has lived many, many lives and a man who has had a life before Eddie that had difficulties and problems. And so it was about, um, Eddie working through his anger. I think that it's really important. One of the lessons of this movie is working through our anger because this is where the soul work is. And it is again, like Baruch said, an opportunity in this lifetime to say that I, I have certain people in my life that are really difficult for me. So what does it bring up for me and how can I heal it? And again, Eddie didn't get to talk to his dad. He didn't get to heal that piece face to face with his dad, but he did it inside of his heart. And that's sometimes even more powerful. Yeah, this is about taking back your power, responsibility, and what's yours, not what's your dad's, not what's the person, you know, the, who's wronged you and hurt you. You can't take responsibility for their choices. You can take responsibility for your choices and not to choose is a choice, to react is a choice, not to deal with it is a choice. And so on the other side, he's really working through his choices, his role, his responsibility, like you said, 
perception, seeing the whole of his dad, not just his little moment in time, but really understanding him holistically, which is oftentimes a way to work through the problems we have with another is we're not seeing the big picture. We're not seeing the whole picture. So really powerful, beautiful. Um, Yeah, I think that actually Ruby, who he didn't even know, you know, there's you just it was so powerful, this particular person that came into his life, because you don't know how one story affects the other. Mm. And like, if it wasn't for this woman who was named after Ruby Pier, there wouldn't have been a peer. And like that whole peer cr- was created that gave Eddie his sole purpose in life. And there's so many things that came before that, that had to happen in order for this to, for Eddie's life to occur. Yeah. I mean, that was an important piece of it. There's a teaching in the Talmud that talks about Honey, the circle maker who is planting trees and, you know, or no, he wakes up and you see somebody planting trees and he says, you're not going to be around to see the fruits of the, the, this planting. He said, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's for my children's children. And when we, we don't think about that enough legacy, yeah. right? Generational impact, which is your work, but right. legacy, my work of, this isn't even about me working through the issue. Sometimes it's, we're so self-centered thinking, oh, you know, you and I are working on a relationship for us. Well, we are because we want a healthy relationship, but maybe we're doing it for our children's children because the trickle down or people we don't even know, but we have impact far beyond our little slice of the pie in this moment in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Number four, his wife. On the one way, this was the most simple. On the other hand, I, I, so I think about it. I think I have more and more to say. You want to start? Well, I want to hear what you want to say. <laughs> I think this one to me was just, it was so, it was like the most elegant, the most simple, the most obvious of them, but a soulmate love, you know, like this was a soulmate or the soulmate for Eddie and it doesn't die. And you could tell that when he got there, it's almost as if he wasted 50 years or 30 years without her, whatever it was, because he believed it was over. And mm-hmm. how would he have spent those 30 years if he knew this was just kind of like a, a, a bus station waiting to catch the bus to go home? What am, am I going to do something more meaningful here than focus on my broken leg or focus on my broken heart? Right. I just gave a talk the other day on this. It can't just be about survival. Right? We've got to do more than just survive. We've got to live. We've got to thrive. We've got to give. We've got to love. Not because we not in spite of the loss, because of the loss. And, and you could feel that when he got there, it's like there was so much wasted opportunity while he was here. But if he knew he was going to see her again and be with her again, would he have lived the same way? It's so true. I remember working with somebody a while back that um, had so many problems with one of her children and always felt like she couldn't parent fully because there were these fears of being ripped away from her child. And I know that I've gone through that with one of our children too. And like, what happens is that when you go into a past life and you recognize that there's more to than that, there's more to life than just what we see. You can see that those things that happened long ago, repeat them. There's opportunities down the road to be reunited with people that we love, but people that we also need to work on things with. And so life is eternal. And so you being ripped away from somebody in a past life and having that feeling of, I can't let this person go in this life, remembering that life is eternal. So to work through these issues that because you will see them again, and you will, it's the soulmate, not just soulmate love, like, um, 
romantic love, but also the people in your family, the people that are in your circle, you have had past lives with, and that life is eternal. So, so really the soulmate connection is with everybody that we lose, that we will see them again. And how are we going to do it differently in this lifetime? And the last thing on this one is I would say counseling people through grief it's especially when it's your spouse and you're older and you're home, you're alone, maybe you don't have kids, you feel like you've lost your witness, right? If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it exist? Did it happen? And there's this piece of feeling like you've lost your witness, right? In so many ways, uh, my, my best friend Mark died two years ago, and he was the, the keeper of some of our secrets, our, our experiences, right? It's like he's the only one who knew. We were with each other every chapter of our life. And I realized for the first time in my life, like I, I lost my witness to those chapters. Um, but what this is about is that you don't lose your witness. You just don't see your witness, but they're still witnessing you. How does that change your life when you realize your spouse is physically dead, but they're not gone? They're in you and they're around you and they see you. And how would you live differently? And how would you feel um, about living if you believed your witness continued to witness? And that's what I think he discovers. And in a lot of ways, you've changed your life since your friend Mark has died. You know, you've taken that moment and said that, you know, he isn't here to physically witness, but if anything, spiritually and in the other on the other side, he's here more than when he was here physically. And now your life is very different than it was two years ago. It is. And this is my heaven is he and my dad and I were supposed to go camping like 20 different times in childhood. We never did. So Mark and I, my dad sit around a campfire in my head every morning as part of my opening of my meditation. Every morning we sit around a campfire. I know that when I cross over, I'm going to be met with my dad and Mark at a campfire. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it's me creating heaven or heaven creating me. Right which is a whole other thing, but I feel witnessed and it's mm -hmm. changed my journey through grief. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Do you want to do number five? Number five. This one was the most heart wrenching and touching. Um, like Ariella talked about when he was a young man, 19 thrust into war, right? I mean, just the horrors of a war. Nobody should see them, especially a boy essentially, but he had to do horrible things or he did horrible things. And he took the life of a little girl, um, not, not intentionally, and he knew it at some level, unconsciously or even consciously, but he buried it for his entire life. And then you meet her, and at first you don't know who she is, but you kind of knew. And then he starts to slowly allow himself to know. And allow, he couldn't see her. For, it was too much pain. It was too overwhelming. And slowly she starts to reveal this beautiful little girl was burned and pretty soon you realize that um, it was the little girl that he right. unintentionally killed when he was living. Right. And what you find though, is like, first of all, his, you could, I mean, ugh, you could feel his despair at taking somebody else's life, let alone a child and, and how distraught he was right there, just noticing who she was. And then they show you, she shows him, but look what you did. And then there's this whole picture of all the kids that he kept safe, you know, in Ruby Pier. And so while he, and that's the most, oh, you know, Terry, think about it. <laughs> that's the best part about the movie is like, you know, he thinks his purpose or his, his life is meaningless without her, his wife and working in Ruby Pier forever, taking over his father's job. And ultimately what it was, was 
it was his mark in life to, without even consciously know it, he saved millions of children. He kept millions of children safe. And that was the most beautiful part of it is that, you know, we have to learn lessons in life. Life is about learning those soul lessons. And sometimes they are heart-wrenching and sometimes, and usually what comes from it is such beauty. And that is ultimately what he found was this, like, it's in Hebrew, we call it tikkun, is like really healing those broken pieces. And I'll end with this. One of the most touching scenes is when she teaches him how to, heal her wounds but it's not her wounds it's his wounds and he washes her and they disappear and she was really teaching him about forgiveness uh, dr wayne dyer says love is forgiving love mm -hmm. is for giving and you must give it but you must give it not only to others to yourself and this is a really a story about what we all go through in life which is i think the ultimate uh, prison out that we create is the one we put ourselves into and we trap ourselves and then we become the judge and the jury and the executioner and we spend our lives hurting ourselves, beating ourselves up. What would your life be like if you could give yourself forgiveness now, then you would be able to give it to others easily. And if you're willing to give yourself that forgiveness and you're willing to look at your wounds and see them for what they are, then you are a healer because what you're doing is not just affecting you. You are affecting the people that you touch every single day. And shamans believe that when you heal your own wounds, you heal seven generations down your line. And so think about this idea when, when you'd rather put your head in the sand, instead of looking at what pains you and feeling those emotions around it and really seeing the, the wound, in order to heal your future, your to to look down the line at your own legacy, whether it's your children or just the world's, that we are more than what we see and we are more than just ourselves. So we're going to wrap it up. We do have a great story, but we're going to save it for another one. Maybe we'll do City of Angels. Ooh, that's good. So that will tie in with our story for you. That's kind of a cliffhanger. You got to <laughs> come back next time yes. um, we're going to keep i think do at least one or two more of these soul journey but then we'll i don't know find out uh, a new topic so if you have one and you're interested just shoot us an email info at mysoulcenter.org you can get a hold of us at mysoulcenter.org we have so many wonderful things going on ariella has an upcoming program Yes. So just briefly, I have a program, a gathering for women. It's called the Divine Origins, and it meets uh, starting August 11th and August 25th, 2021, 2021. And your first group is uh, complimentary. And then we will continue down the road. Basically, it's for women to come together to dive into the energy of each month, but also dive into healing and sisterhood and gathering and stop the overfunctioning and stop the overworking in life. So I hope you join me. And you can always get more kind of do it yourself grief work through Carry the Fire. It's a great program we're very proud of that we have available to you. So if you want to really do some deep grief work that's spiritual and healing, then check out Carry the Fire. If you like what you've been listening to, give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast sign up for the soul centered newsletter and all the happenings that are happening here at soul centered so until the next time namaste everyone shalom, salam, and peace you've been listening to own your power a podcast about discovering meaning purpose and healing in the afternoon of life with your hosts and soul centered co-founders 
Ariella and Baruch Halevi.